listening to the bomb hole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. Going to slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, we are back in the booth for another episode of the Bomb Hole presented by Pub Beer, Solomon, and Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza. Now, Stony Buds, how are we doing today? So good this morning. Love that. Rezzy's looking pretty tall. Uh, Beanie's looking good. And to my left, we have Steffi Luxton from New Zealand. Steffi, what's going on? Not much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, Steffi's our first guest to uh, actually walk here. She walked here with the snowboard. Uh, <laughs> all the way from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yep, walked here all the way from New Zealand. No, uh, I'm currently uh, Carlos in Salt Lake City, so just decided to walk over. With your board, here. too. Yep, board That's in my awesome. hand. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it, like 8, 8.30 in the morning, just in streetwear, walking with a snowboard? People are like, what the hell? It's probably not that out of, the, or out of order for Salt Lake City. For yeah, no. I felt pretty comfortable. So uh, first question I have for you, um, and I think it's an important one, is who are Julio and Jane? <laughs> um, well, Julio was uh, my car that I had for um, maybe like three or four years, and... Um, Jane is Jane Honda is my new car. <laughs> <laughs> I always name my cars just because you know it's like you spend a lot of time in them. You know they deserve a name. So, yep, Julio was my first car in America. Jane's my second. Jane, um, Jane Honda, inspired by Jane Fonda. Yes, very uh, much so. That's a, that's a great. <laughs> one. And how did you get to Julio? Um, Julio, I bought off this like old Mexican guy that. Um, co- took really good care of this car, and he left the CD in it that was like this, this uh, like a Mexican music that I kept in it for its whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I don't know, I just it just decided Julio was. It kind of flows off great, the tongue. Yeah, great name. Yep. Uh, it's really one of one of uh, Scott Blum, her uh, significant others' footnotes. She said was uh, that. She's got an incredible knack for naming cars. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we named Scott's van Rick. Rick. Yeah. That's a great name for a van. Yeah. Creep, creepy dude. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, <laughs> it's like one of those vans without any windows in it. So, you know, Rick. Rick. It's Rick. Let's give an air horn to Rick, <laughs> Julio, and Jane Honda. <laughs> you kind of got to use Jane's full name, huh? Yeah. Jane Honda. Yeah, to get the Jane full, Honda. Get the full flair. You yeah. know, most people don't like catch on to it until like they actually think about it, but... I actually stole that name off uh, another girl in Mammoth. I didn't come up with it myself. <laughs> well, there's other people naming their cars out there. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My parents um, named their car. Like, every car of ours was named. Really? No matter what, yeah. Any notables of your parents? Um, Big Red, Black Betty. <laughs> Black Betty is a good one. Um, classic, classic name. My mom actually drives Black Betty right now, and, she, and my dad made the sticker for her to put on the side of it, and he, like... He doesn't know much about like the internet or, or like how cheap you can get things. And I'm pretty sure he got like this sticker, and it cost him like seventy dollars for this <laughs> one sticker. <laughs> but yeah, it's still on there. Well, let's go. Let's throw it back to uh, growing up in New Zealand, Wanaka area, correct? Yes, I grew up in Wanaka. Um, it was a pretty special place to grow up. You know, it's like absolutely amazing there, mountains and lakes and. Uh, I grew up, yeah, with a bunch of awesome friends, and my parents were 
like really supportive my whole entire life and still are and yeah I I miss it so much but it's yeah so you have two you have two brothers right you're in the middle yep and I think from what you were telling me you kind of grew up in a boarding family yeah so I started snowboarding and skateboarding when I was 14 um but my younger and older brother both skated and snowboarded like well before me and my best friend growing up was, um, his name was Beach, and he sk- he was like an incredible skateboarder as well. And so, like, and he was really good friends with both my brothers. So, like, being around all of them, I was like, I want to start skateboarding. I want to start snowboarding. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just got into it at 14 and became absolutely obsessed with it. And, yeah, I haven't really, like, looked back since. Um, but, yeah, both my brothers were huge inspirations to, to towards like more so skateboarding than snowboarding but yeah snowboarding as well and then uh your uh younger brother i was in a wormhole watching his video parts this guy's unbelievably good. really he's a, he's a pro skateboarder yeah yeah my younger brother digby um he just went pro like during during like the lockdown quarantine actually he he like had a surprise um like zoom call with like the board sponsor that called Zen which sponsors him and uh yeah they made him boards and my older brother designed the boards and like he he had no idea it was pretty cool and like went pro during that and released a part he's released a couple of parts actually but yeah he's he's really good at skating cue those up in the show notes yeah you definitely should he's what's up with his board graphic um he's got so his first two I'm not sure what they are now but his first two he got two made the first one is um an airplane and like New Zealand and he lives in Australia now so the airplane is um he was born on an airplane actually um he yeah on a six-seater Cessna um my mom mom gave birth on a Cessna yep (laughs) give her an air horn for that (laughs) yeah she had like a something go on with like pregnancy where they had to like rush her to hospital and um he, he was the third one being born so I think he just like popped out <laughs> real quick and then like there was some crazy compu- complications after he got like hypothermia and and uh had to go like into the incubator and whatnot but made it through and yeah who actually delivered the baby um the there was a doctor on oh, the there, airplane there happened yeah. to be a doctor yep and oh. my my granddad actually was born on a boat as well he was on wow. on a boat from um from the from like england to new zealand it was like the fourth I don't know what boat it was but yeah he was like moving to New Zealand and his mum died on the boat I mean yeah his mum died on the boat so he was like this orphan on a boat on the way to New Zealand and just like arrived in New Zealand as this orphan baby it's pretty crazy story horrible that's a crazy story yeah really died while giving birth yeah because that was like back in the day that was like I mean I guess it was way more common for Mm -hmm. for people to pass away so yeah he was like this orphan that made went to New Zealand and I think his brother his Somebody or cousin yeah like his, his cousin like so my granddad's uncle like ended up taking care of him I'm pretty sure because yeah, otherwise it's just this baby arriving on the shore yeah pretty who's, that's pretty much raise me? that's pretty much what it was I think he was in some like orphanage or he was an orphan for a while yeah Wow, that's yeah. a crazy story. When I think of New Zealand, I just think of people growing up living in the sides of the mountain, <laughs> kind of like a Hobbit scenario. That's yeah. where they filmed the Hobbit. That's I just think that that's what yeah. their life must have been like as a young kid growing up in, yeah, in this, I mean, a magical place where there's more sheep than people. And Exactly. I mean, it, it kind of is like that, to be honest. It's, it is. 
yeah. kind of that vibe. Yeah, huh? no matter where you go, it's like it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful country. Yeah, it's, love to go there. Yeah, I remember we were there. Just side note, uh, with uh, thirty two team years ago, and we were we were eating uh, lamb when we were there, and common common meal. There's a there's a lot of sheep. <laughs> And uh, yeah, there's like 40 million sheep or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> 7 million people, maybe less than 7 million. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we brought the fact to Joe Sexton that, you know, that was what we're eating. He's like, dude, you can't eat those. He's like, dude, what have you been having for dinner? This whole, like, <laughs> <laughs> You've been eating it the whole trip. Because <laughs> they have the shank that's really good. Yeah, the lamb shank. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really I don't really like lamb, though. I'm not, I'm not, not a huge a big fan. fan yeah, not the Yeah, like the taste of it. Not that not, down. Not do you, that down. Do you take offense? I know the Australians call the New Zealanders sheep fuckers. Have you I ever have heard, heard that? that. Yes. <laughs> do you take offense to that term? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just classic Aussies, you know? Yeah. You but guys I mean, seem like I'm there's a... Sure, there's some sheep fuckers over there. <laughs> Because you see these specials on TV about towns where that kind of stuff goes on. And oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there's, a, farmers, there's, a, there's a weird people out there yeah. in the world. <laughs> there's, there's shit that goes down. Well, I think we should uh, test your New Zealand street cred. Because uh, I, I got some terms here. I'm going to see, see what you know. First term, chili bin. Cooler. Chili bin's a cooler. Yep. Chili bin, okay. Okay, what's, uh, what's the dairy? Uh, it's like the like local like little supermarket like it's not a supermarket it's like smaller than that convenience store. Okay, what are uh, jandals? Sandals, but not like the slide on sandals. They're like the the ones that go in between your big and big toe and like a flip flop. Yeah, flip flops. Okay, what are, she's jandals? Pre- she's pretty good. Yeah, she's what are, pretty good. What are togs? <laughs> um, like a bathing suit. Okay, wow, she's she's sharp. Oh, yep, I am a kiwi. <laughs> All right, next next term, munted. Uh, like, how do I explain it? It's like sketchy, kind of like not in full tact, I guess. Do I don't you know how to explain. These? I have a lot more. You should almost let me guess what it is. Okay. And then she can let us know if we're okay. correct. Okay, well, here we go. Um, The next one is chook, C-H-O-O-K, chook. Chook is another word for Chewbacca and also when you're chewing tobacco. <laughs> That's incorrect. Chook? I don't even know what chook is. Oh, wow. We got it on one. It's actually chicken. Wait. Chicken. Oh, oh no. Chook? No, oh, no wait. Yes, you're, you're saying it wrong. Okay. How do you? How chook. Do, chook. Chook. Okay. So yeah. I'll give you the spelling so you know. Okay. Chook. Okay. Uh, what's a dunny? A Donny. That's like a good friend, like a buddy. What up, Don? What up, Donny? That's actually correct. <laughs> it's correct. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, not not in, in rap, in, in, rap, in rap, not in Kiwi, not <laughs> in Kiwi. Uh, but what's the Kiwi term? Uh, Dunny's a, like a toilet bathroom. Oh, That's correct. Right. I actually think that uh, Buds might have blown up the Dunny this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Exploded the dun- the Dunny. Okay. Um, this is kind of a term. It's wop wops. Wop wops. You know what that means? I think Bud? I heard that used in the last Drake song. <laughs> wop wop. <laughs> no, uh, that's incorrect. Uh, there's not really an answer. So no, that wasn't an answer. Yeah. A wop wop. Uh, wop wop. I don't. I'm out. I'm out on this one. You what gotta. You, got? you gotta say it in like super key oh. accent. How? Oh, wop wop brew. Wop wop brew. Is that another name for a burger? Um, no, it's like it's uh. Like out in the country, basically, like rural. 
Rural. Wop wop. That's wop. correct. Out in the wop wop. actually correct. <laughs> um, My parents live in the wop wops. So this one's interesting. It's uh, hot chups. Hot chups. Hot chups. Uh, those are warm slippers in the morning. Incorrect. <laughs> hot chips. That's correct. <laughs> That's like literally but you guys hot chips. chops. <laughs> hot chops. I mean, C-H- it's more like when you just put the X in. And it's in really there. French fries probably, right? Yeah. It's yep. crazy so how many words are in for French fries. Our friend Chip, would you pronounce it Chup if you're from New Zealand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd start hey, calling Chup. Chup. <laughs> I want to start calling him Chup. Hey, um, Chup. Yeah, Chip. What's going on there? Chop, 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 chop. All right. Uh, next one. We got all, we got lots of these. Buttons, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going because this is fun for the whole family. Um, we're on a, uh, the word is tiki tour. Tiki tour. Tiki tour. That's when you uh, are out in the wop wop. Is that <laughs> yeah. the world? Yeah. And you got your tiki torch <laughs> and you're just cruising around the wop wop. That's kind of correct in some form. Yeah. 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 Like halfway there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um. It's like going on like a Sunday drive, going on a tic- it's tiki tour, tiki, tiki, yep, tiki out, out in the wop wop. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, Bud's takes a tiki tour on his way here a lot of times. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, takes sometimes. I take a lot of tiki tours driving around Salt Lake. I do not have my bearings. <laughs> I also walked here this morning. That's why I was twenty minutes late. Um, so yeah, the Hoffa, J A F A. Uh, J- Jaffa. 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 I feel like I've heard this one before. Maybe they use it in Australia too. It's um, a type of car, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I swear I've heard this one before. <laughs> Jimmy Jaffa. Jaffa. I think. Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Incorrect. I got, but what do you? What do, you what got? do we got? Well, so a J- it's a Jaffa, and a Jaffa is like a type of, um, like chocolate with like orange around it, but. A Jaffa is uh, also stands for just another fucking Aucklander because Auckland is like the biggest city in New Zealand, and there's a lot of Aucklanders, and so Jaffa just another. That's fucking the real Auckland. use. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's good. She she's knows good. her shit. She must this, be from there. This is a, this is a good one. I like this uh, figure speech. Had a big one on the Terps. Had a, a big, big one, one on, on the, the Terps. terps. Uh, <laughs> that's having a really good day on the resort. Incorrect. <laughs> But close. Um, is it? It's, it's like uh, having a good time while drinking. Ah, that was it's close. almost almost exactly. That was half correct. Right. Yeah, you were. You could you could be having a good one on the terps, <laughs> and also like you're yeah. you're on the slopes, but you're drunk, so it kind of works. Terps. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, that's one for you. This um, <laughs> this is a great one. I liked. Uh, it's a piss of pee. It's a piece of piss. It's a piece of piss. It's a piece of piss. Yeah, you gotta go. It's a piece of piss, bro. It's a piece of piss. You gotta put bro on the end of every single single thing. Oh, they say bro. All <laughs> they the say time? bro all the time. It's just a, like Australians say legend. They say bro. Yeah, they also say legend a lot in, in New Zealand. They do. Ledge. It's abbreviate. A, it's a piece of per bro or what piss. is it? It's a piece of piss. It's a piece of piss. It's a piece of piss. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> Incorrect. No? I like your answer. <laughs> a piece of piss. It's like it's like oh no, like that's easy. Piece of piss. Damn it. I could have got that. Okay. Um, you should start using that one, though. Pizza, Feel like piece, piece of, of piss. piss. Um, what about taking the piss? That's when you eat shit. <laughs> it's when you, uh, g- like, give someone shit, actually. Like, give someone shit. Yeah, like. Bud, you're actually kind of almost <laughs> correct. <isn't that? laughs> I've been half right on a lot of these. <laughs> you're a Kiwi. 
Okay, uh, and then... Um, Where did you get all these from? These are like, you've got quite a few. Serious internet research. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, it's a little little uh, secret website I like to use called Google. Google. Yeah. Magoogly. That old thing. And then uh, last one we'll hit for a minute is uh, tramping. 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 Um, that's a big day on a trampoline working on my <laughs> air awareness. I think that's correct. Is it? <laughs> Not by New Zealand <laughs> definition, but. Um, tramping's like uh, backpacking, like going Tramp- on. Yeah. Why is it called tramping? I don't know. Because you're tramping over the friggin' mountains. Oh, like, gotcha. Yeah. Tromping around, tramping. Yep. Stepping on things. Yeah, stepping on things, going up and down mountains, you know, carrying a huge backpack, tramping. Well, are, are a lot of are any of these come from like the UK too, or is it? Oh just yeah, I think like a huge majority comes from okay. from like British. Well, I'll tell you what, Steffi, I think you did phenomenal on yeah, the quiz. She's definitely a local to yeah, her country, New Zealand quiz. Yep, missed that place. So I heard you had an interesting kind of road to America from New Zealand. I did have a very interesting road to America. Um, so I have a green card, which I um, I won in the lottery. So in America, there's a lottery system that um, is set up every single year, and you can apply. It, it's like in like October or something. So you apply. It's like open for one month. They don't have it open all year because like way too many people would apply. And uh, so I like randomly applied one night, like like 2013. I was like at my my friend's parents house like having dinner or something and they're American and they were like oh we'll help you apply because there's so many websites that are like confusing and it's like scams and like people trying to make you pay and and whatnot but like it's actually like free to apply so so they like help me like figure it all out and go like to the government websites and and like apply and I, I applied and like kind of forgot about it and then um and this was yeah 2013 so I was like I was competing a lot and like coming back and forth from America back to New Zealand and I was on an extended visitor's visa and uh and which was fine um because I wasn't like making any money in America or anything I was like making all my money in New Zealand and um that's how I was able to like come in and out of America pretty easily and um I thought it was fine traveling on this extended visitor's visa and then like 2000 and um Oh, wait, I'll go back. So uh, six months later after I applied for this lottery, I got like a another notice being like, congratulations, you've made it to like the second round. And I think it's like 160,000 people make it to the second round. And out of like millions of people that apply, like anyone pretty much in the world can apply for this visa. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. So I like filled out all the paperwork online and um, kind of like forgot about it again, like and just like carried on, was competing, pretty busy with all that kind of stuff. And then um, 2015, I was coming back into America and they like stopped me at the border and were like, you're, you're like spending way too much time in America. Like you're not allowed to be in the States for over six months a year. And I, I thought like I was allowed to like come in and like I would leave to Europe to compete and come back and my six months would get extended. And that's how it like, that's how it worked for like a huge portion of my competitive career. And uh, one time at the border, like was like this, this angry, like customs lady, or I can't even remember who it was. 
And I guess like you're only amount allowed to be in the States for six months and then you have to like be gone for six months. Like that's all you're allowed. Like I wasn't allowed to like be here for eight months, even if I was leaving to go to Europe or New Zealand or whatever. And so I got red flagged at the border and they let me in for six months, but I had to get a visa. And this was like, I had like filled out the stuff on my, my uh, lottery stuff, but like wasn't even thinking about that. Like that wasn't even crossing my mind. And I was like, shit, I have to, I have to buy an athlete visa and in order to like be able to like stay in America and, and compete, I was still like somewhat competing at the time. And, uh, so I like that this was the year that I moved to Mammoth actually with Possum and I was really poor. Like I had, I hardly had any money and I was like, I have to, I had to, my friend's an athlete lawyer. So she like hooked me up a little bit on getting the athlete visa but I I bought the athlete visa and like so I was good to go for three years which was like a process in itself because the athlete visa you need um you need like paying American sponsors and contracts in order to get it and so I had to like go through all these loopholes to like I was like writing for ride but I had no contract with them but like Tanner like sent me a letter and like pretended like he paid me and uh and Bridges like sent me a letter like you have to like go through this huge process of getting this athlete visa that was like like it ended up being for no reason at all because like right after the season of of getting the athlete visa I think it cost me like three and a half grand for it um I like got a message in the mail and it was from like this these random people that I was living with in um, Carlsbad and they were like, this like piece of mail came for you and it looks important. We, we want to send it on to you. And um, I was like, okay. And I was living in Mammoth and I got them to send it there. And it was like this like government um, like document letter being like, um, congratulations, you've, uh, you've been accepted for like the interview process of your green card. And I was like, holy shit like (laughs) I was like I'm almost there like I could I kind of like had forgotten about it because this is like 2015 so and I applied two years ago so it was like people apply yeah and so like it was like this two-year process and I like had I did not expect to like be in the like even somewhat being able to get the the green card and um so yeah I got that I got the athlete visa got this piece of information I was like I need to go back to New Zealand to go to this interview and so I ended up going back to New Zealand and like working and um, like preparing for this interview which was I was so nervous about and I like went into the the embassy the New Zealand embassy and like I was freaking out I had to like get a bunch of like doctor's notes in order to get like a green card you have to like get go to the doctor to make sure you're like healthy you need like chest x-rays you need like shots and stuff that they require which is um like flu shots and whatnot and and like all your information of everything of your life basically and so I was like prepping for that back in New Zealand and I like went into the embassy and it literally the interview took like 10 minutes and they were like (laughs) congratulations you got a you got a green card and I was like damn and I this was like probably uh June yeah June like it was coming into winter in New Zealand and then I was like I don't want to go to winter in New Zealand this year like and I like was just had uh started dating Scott and he was like he was gonna go on this road trip to go to Hood and I was like I'm gonna come back to the States and like go snowboarding at Hood I've never been there before and he was like yeah we're going on a road trip 
And so, yeah, I got the green card and like, um, and they put like something in my passport. Like I didn't actually have the physical green card yet. And, uh, they put, yeah, they put something in my passport and I flew back to America and that was like the start of like me actually living in America full time. And only one person gets this? Um, no, I, I don't know how many. A handful, maybe? Yeah, like wow. like Australian New Zealanders, it's like a bigger percentage of people that get it. It's like 10% uh, compared to like the rest of the world because they like us over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I don't, I'm not sure the exact amount of people that get it, but um, yeah. It's, not, it's a rare thing. Though. It's pretty, it's really rare. Yeah. Like it's like I, I got so lucky with like timing and everything and like. It sucks that I like spent all that money on that athlete visa, but I would not, I would not throw it away for the world. Like you know, yeah. the athlete visa was only three, three years or something like that. Like it wasn't going to last forever. And, <coughs> and now you're I didn't an American have, citizen. Um, I'm not. I can become a citizen like this year if I want to, but I'm, I'm like a, a permanent resident right now. Cool. So I pretty much can do everything apart from vote. So I have like social security number and all that. Um, wow. And like getting my green card was crazy because. I had lived in Mammoth the year before and I like didn't have an address in America. I didn't have like a PO box or anything. And I like hit up my landlord from the year before and was like, Hey, can I get this piece of, uh, this letter sent to you? And it was like, this was like my green card and my social security number. And she's like, yeah, of course. And I didn't tell her what it was. And she wasn't home at the time. And she's like, your, your letter came. And she like, she, she's like, I hid it under the couch in the backyard, under the pillow of the couch in the backyard. And I remember like showing up to her house being like, I think my, I think this letter's like somewhere around here. And I was like searching under this couch, like outside and like finally like got the piece of mail. And it was like, yeah, it was my green card and social security. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I, I actually <laughs> called me ignorant. I never realized uh, how difficult it was to become, you know, I guess normally people marry to get a green card and stuff, but it's just that whole process. To yeah, think about how many people want to become citizens, you know, from so many mm -hmm. different countries. Yeah, I know. I like... There's droves of them at the border. Trump yeah. sent them all home, but now they're all trying to come back. Yep. Yeah, I got... Uh, yeah, it was... It's pretty crazy that that's, that's how it happened, but it was... And it was all, like, such insane timing as well, because, like, 2015 was... Well, it was like the end of 2014, which was like right after the Olympics. And that winter had me and Possum had just been dropped from the New Zealand team. So it was like this kind of crazy like transition in our lives. And we were like, we don't want to go back to Colorado. We were, like, we were spending a bunch of time in Colorado, like competing just because it was like an easy city to like fly in and out of. We we're on the road for a lot of the time. And we're like, we don't want to go back to Colorado at all. Um, we want to like try something new so we like moved to mammoth and still there <laughs> we plan on being there for three months and we're like this is i think this is my seventh year there it'll so, suck you in huh? yeah. mountain towns well, we kind of breezed over it we didn't really talk about it but you know your competitive background you know you've done all the contests you grew up doing grand prix you're a damn olympian uh, <laughs> i know that's like kind of in the rear view now but let's talk about that part of your life yeah, that part of my life is, like, honestly a little bit of a blur. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for all those opportunities that I, that I got. Like, I was on the New Zealand team, and that was the way – that was why I was able to, like, travel and um, – Can we talk cheddar biscuits as far as uh, national team? Because yeah, uh, I heard it's better than the sponsors in a lot of um, So the way the New Zealand team was set up when I was competing was you would earn – 
grants through competitions. So like they didn't, they like would pay for my travel and whatnot, but they didn't like physically like pay me. I would earn it with competition results. So one year, like one year I like made pretty good. I like made like 40 grand in like one, one like grant that I received, but like that's 40 grand New Zealand. So like, and that was like when the New Zealand dollar sucked. So I'd like be in America and it was like, yeah, I mean, it was still really good money, but. What would you compare 40K? Back then it was like 20. 20. Still good money. <laughs> yeah, still yeah. really good money. And like, that was how I was able to survive throughout my whole competitive career. I didn't, I never had sponsors competing really, like not paying sponsors. Um, and I remember, yeah, they would like set up the, the competitions to, they would make like one main competition per year. And I can't remember what they would call it, but you would, yeah, it would be like the comp where you could like, depending on what place you got, would be how much money you would make for the year. Crazy. And, oh, like your ranking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was all done in one contest. One contest. If you and have it, a bad day. Sorry. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's still like that now, but um, but it was like they did it like that to like base it off the Olympics, I think. And so like, I don't know if it's like putting pressure on on you in this competition to like perform or whatever, but. But yeah, the Olympics was like the competition of the year. Like, like that's where you'd. That was like my one competition that I would that I made some money in. And uh, before that, it was like you know, like it was like the world championships or something. But yeah, like going into the Olympics, I was um, all I cared about was like earning that grant because that grant is the way that I could keep snowboarding the next year. So like I wouldn't even like really think about the. Um, I was never really good at I was I sucked at competing to be honest <laughs> like I was so bad I was never really that competitive I was just like I was always like yeah I was not very I was not a very competitive person but I just wanted to keep snowboarding every single year so I would always just like really try hard in those competitions to land on my feet yeah because otherwise <laughs> you're not gonna have budget for exactly the, the, otherwise I would have to like <laughs> that was your whole drive yeah my whole drive was just like being able to continue to snowboard yeah you weren't like i have to get this gold medal. most people they get their whole things like my whole life is building up to going to the olympics you go, you're like i need to go to the olympics so i can pay the fucking bills. Trying to get 20 yeah. to shred so like then go back and ride pow and just get your yeah but yeah they're also like in the new zealand team they have like blocks of like if they've got like a carding system and it might be different now as well like i, I mean i haven't done it forever but like say zoe right now she's like top 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 so she's like le like level one carded so so when we were doing it I was like always like the worst carding level um but they would like give you like depending on where you were so like in January because it was like pretty heavy on the competitive like like that's when all the competitions were they would give you like um like budget towards your rent and like budget towards your food and I was so poor I remember I used to like go to the supermarket and steal receipts out of the rubbish bins to um to like <laughs> use as my invoice to like get money because I didn't need like I think they gave you like $125 a week or something and I was like if I spend like 60 on food and then like use this other like use these receipts 60 <laughs> <laughs> then I'm making money and that's I can, a pro tip right I there a, I got a pro tip for anyone that's in that situation <laughs> it's fakereceipt.com <laughs> they will uh, actually you can make any receipt you want for anything really yeah oh good to know actually boom, you got whatever you need yeah, yeah, I've never, like, 
I've never made money from snowboarding, that's for sure. But I've definitely figured out ways to like get around. It's about being able to still being on the snowboard. Yeah, Yeah, it's just about staying on the snow, really. Yep, it's all a means to an end. Yeah, Scott was kind of saying that you uh, are very comfortable with absolutely no plan. Like you guys did a sixty day road trip, going to hood and surfed and everything, and you were just like totally chill. Yeah, I hate plans, honestly. But yeah, like no plan, no problem is my uh, outlook on life. But That's an awesome outlook. I mean, it's a little bit different these days with like being a student, being a business owner and like like things like that. But yeah, I, I really enjoy just like waking up and like figure like getting the day to show you what like, you know, if there's surf that day, go surfing, like not having a, I, yeah, I hate plans. <laughs> and I think a big chunk of that stemmed from, um, from like being on the New Zealand team, honestly, like it was not, it was just like, so like all these people like worked around your, like you and like, you know, they they, like set you up meetings and like all this like stuff that didn't even have anything to do with snowboarding. And I'm sorry for talking shit on the New Zealand team now, but like, yeah, like that, I don't know. I just like, it kind of like fried me out a little bit. Um, of snowboarding and like I don't know my mentality has changed so much from from my competitive days to now and I think it was mostly from just like plans yeah it should burns you out like we need you in this meeting yeah about this I'm like I don't need to be talking about (laughs) yeah I'm like (laughs) I'm like I'm not coming down this down the mountain right now to be in this meeting but yeah they were like they're very professional I guess with like yeah, like I mean, it's just they have such a big team um, working j- for like for you because you snowboard, which is was always like a crazy concept to me. I'm like, so it's just snowboarding, you know. It's just like <laughs> I think that's why some of these U.S. athletes are stoked they're not making money from the government yeah. to snowboard because then otherwise, then they'd have to be doing all that too. Yeah, so it kind of makes sense. They just all these people have to quantify what's going on. Yeah, for you, sure. Do you feel like if from what I understand with the national teams and stuff, it's like go snowboarding with your coach and then do like box jumps in the gym. And is that kind of what you're talking about too? Like you, they would make these whole like schedules and yeah. you got to do. Yeah. Like parts of the New Zealand team was, was sick. Like we would travel around with like a, a, like a physio and like they would look like work on your body every single night. But like, yeah. And like a trainer would travel with us, but, and so we would like be in the gym, you know, like, and during like a heavy like snowboard I don't know I just I yeah I don't I don't know how to even talk about it but (laughs) it's interesting how important medals are to these countries too you know like when you see the Chinese teams and the Russian teams and the stigma they got back in the day about how serious it was and yeah and like the New Zealand team when we were competing that we like really needed to do well in order for them to get budget from the government again and none of us did well like we got so much bad press um <laughs> so the people in charge of you are all stressed about their yeah, jobs and yeah 100 yeah. percent. and then like so it's so so lucky for them now that they have like zoe and like there's like this young skier kid that's like winning everything and so they've probably got some like major yeah they got some like major budget right now probably but um i think zoe's medal was like the first medal in winter, the winter Olympics for like since like 92 or something like that. Jeez. Like, 
Yeah, That's she, sick. Yeah. She just killed it at uh, Natural Selection, too. That was really yeah. fun. Yeah, she's incredible. So so I kind of want to talk about your significant other for a second here, uh, Scott Blum. Yeah. Now, I have it's a kind of snowboarding's bad boy. He is. <laughs> now, who do you think has a higher level of patience, you or Gandhi dating Scott? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great answer. <laughs> Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Love the pause that it took to get there. Yeah, she's. I like the honesty on that answer because we we all know that that's true. Um, part part two of the question. So Scott Baum's been he's been in town here for a bit, and he's been uh, the Magoons were just here. You know, Magoon family. Shout out. Got to give him a quick little air horn. Oh, yeah, I love that family. And I've seen him around. Uh, winter magoon and he's like a real he's got you know he's looking like he wants to be a dad now would you <laughs> Turns say into a big softy huh? he, yeah he seems like a he's a kind of a bad boy you see him around winter he's a, he's a little he, his heart melts yeah his heart melts it, it, it seems to me steffi that he looks like he's got baby fever what do you think um i don't know about baby fever <laughs> i feel like he more just like I feel like he relates better to children, honestly, than adults. Like, he can, like, have conversation with children way easier than he can have, have conversation with adults. And, yeah, hopefully not baby fever because <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> so you're saying it's kind of like they have the same maturity level. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, okay, that yeah, makes sense. Like, Him and Winter are just having a full-on serious conversation. <laughs> yeah, he can relate He can relate to three-year-olds better than probably 30-year-olds, to be honest. <laughs> So going back to uh, the comp stuff, I know that you've you had some crazy injuries throughout your career doing contests, right? Yeah, I've had so many injuries. Um, ruptured my spleen, broke my collarbone a bunch of times. I've been in uh, wrist two wrist casts at once. I've like gashed my shin open. Like so many injuries. Let's let's go back to the ruptured the swing. Yeah, I, I ruptured my, I almost died when I ruptured mine. But you did that happen to you when you? Yep. Yeah. Almost died. <laughs> what happened? Um, I was hitting like this tiny little jump in Colorado, and I like over rotated with my body, and I did like a front three over rotated with my body, and hooked my toe edge, and like slammed down on my left side, and ruptured my spleen, and I was like. It, like, didn't hurt too crazy at the time, but I was, like, I was really tired. I remember, like, snowboarding down to the bottom of the mountain and, like, being, like, I want to go to bed right now. Like, I am tired, and that was just, like, my body dying, basically. Um, <laughs> Going septic, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and uh, and um, my friends I was with, Possum and Shelley, they were, like, you should just go to the, the medical center and, um, and, like, get it checked out, like, if the work like nothing's gonna happen like may as well and I was like okay whatever and I like walked over there and I had like crazy pain in your sh in my shoulder and I really had to pee and I like walked into the medical center and I was like can I please go to the bathroom <laughs> and so I like peed immediately and I came out and then told me told them my symptoms and I uh um immediately like got rushed to hospital and like put on and I got a cat scan put on like really strict bed rest like wasn't allowed to leave the bed for however many days but luckily like kept the um kept the spleen in there and so so thankful to like still have my spleen because that's just like a huge portion of your like immune function and keeps you healthy and whatnot you can survive without it yeah you can, yeah back in the day they used to take split like spleen out of out. yeah if you would even like somewhat rupture it it would be like gone 
And yeah, they describe it like a bowl of jelly. So when you like tear, like well, you you and I had the same thing. It's a laceration. Yeah. So it like tor- tears open, and like all the it, t- it purifies your blood. So all these toxins leak out into your bloodstream, basically kill poisons you from the inside you. out and like blood goes into your diaphragm there's all kinds of shit doesn't it make you pee blood too i didn't pee didn't, blood yeah, no that happened to me either but um i don't know if that's a symptom or not but that that is like pretty common with like um organ injuries but yeah. not the spleen i don't think and i guess if you hit it hard enough it might just pop on huh? like a grape mm-hmm. yeah, then, it can explode into a bunch of pieces that's when people they fully then they pulled that shit yeah. out yeah I feel like rupturing, rupturing your spleen is pretty common in snowboarding, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like... If you fall in the right spot, yeah, it's going to rupture. It's like your ribs Dude, aren't quite there to protect it. <laughs> mine actually to, uh, burst on an airplane. I was, oh, really? I Whoa. fell at Big Bear. I fell at Big Bear and then elbowed myself in the gut. And I was I was like, I had a little stomach ache and then went to the airport, actually, the next morning. And as we were going up to altitude, I just felt someone inside me burst. and it's felt like, it. I felt it. And I thought it was like a kidney. And I'm like... All right, I'm just going to, I'll be all right. I'm going to make it home. And I was in the plane. I was like, holy shit. Like, it was, you know, luckily Big Bear to Salt Lake's only a couple hours. So, like, towards the end of the flight, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm going to, like, I think I'm fucked up. And then we kind of, like, landed, and I told my buddy Doman, shouts to Doman, um, he was there at the airport. I'm, like, curled up in the back of his van. I'm, like, drive me to the ER. I'm going to fucking I remember hearing di- about I'm going to die, dude. I was like, I'm going to die. Drive as fast as you can to the ER. I don't know what's wrong with me. And so we got there and seemed like four days in the ICU and doctor was like, if your flight was an hour longer, you would have died on the plane. That's what they told really? me. But it's like one of those things where you got to get to the, you got to get to the hospital. Like, like you almost should have flagged someone down at the airport. Yeah, but I was basically. like, I don't know. It's just a stomach ache. Like I thought I might just have diarrhea. My shoulder hurt. Like you said. Yeah. 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 That's, like, if you that's rupture, a symptom. If you rupture your spleen, you always have like pain in your shoulder. Which oh, is, I thought which that is, was from your fall. Nah, it's a it's a symptom from symptom. the the spleen. I wonder why that makes your shoulder hurt. Yeah, it, I don't know. Uh, one injury you're telling me particularly, it, it seemed like it was almost like the end of your competitive career. You took a slam. Yeah, um, I I broke my collarbone opening weekend in Mammoth, like first weekend I ever moved there. I like riding the second day. I did like a front lip or something and like hooked my edge and like slammed really hard, like to the point where my collarbone almost like was pointing out of my skin and uh it didn't pop through it didn't quite pop through but like had like this crazy bruise like it was like right there and um I got surgery on that and so that was like kind of like a I was still I was in like a really crazy place as well like just like getting off the New Zealand team and like moving to this new town and like not not really knowing where I was going um, but I had like a little bit of money cause I had won, <laughs> I had won the grant th- the year before at the Olympics. And so I had like a year's worth of like little bit of income coming in. So I had like a year to figure it out and, uh, and yeah, um, broke my collarbone, got surgery and that's like, so I took like, it's not even like a crazy injury or anything, but it like kind of like shifted my perspective a little bit. And then, um. I got cleared from the doctor seven weeks later, and the day that I got cleared, I went back snowboarding and fell on my shoulder and rebroke my collarbone. The same, same one. one, rebroke it, and I was like, refused to go to the hospital. I was like, it's not broken. It's just like I just fell on it weird. Like it's not broken at all. You're trying to let your mind. <laughs> yeah, <fix it. laughs> and I was like, I was like pulling my arm up and like, like I was like, no, nah, I wouldn't good. be able it's to do good. this if it wasn't broken. Like, why am I doing this right now? But um. 
three days and it didn't get better so like three days later I went to the um I went to the hospital and they were like your collarbone is flat like like the the plate because they put a plate in it like had popped back up so it was like it was like pointing like this and I had broken it in the lower like originally broke it at the top I broke it like down lower and so they were like you need surgery. <laughs> do they have any sort of warranty on their surgery work that Shoulder they warranty? You like buy one, get one free type no. of deal on the surgeries? <laughs> no, but I actually got kicked off my travel insurance. I, that's a whole other story. We uh. can get into that. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, so I had to get surgery again. So this was like a few days later. I, I like went back under and got surgery and was like, okay, I'm going to heal real good this time. And uh, like healed up after that and was like, feeling okay but still like not 100% at all and there was like a there was a competition in um, Park City actually a a World Cup that was like maybe like a week after I should have even been snowboarding so I was like yeah I'll go to that (laughs) and so I like uh, registered for it and showed up to it and like the night before the competition I got a uh, like an email I think from my travel insurance and they were like, you've just had two surgeries. This is, costed, this is like costing us so much money. We're kicking you off. And so my travel insurance kicked me off. Uh, my, for like, getting hurt. For getting hurt too yeah. much. And, and this was like the night before I was meant to compete. And I was like, shit, what do I do? Like, I was like searching like travel insurance. Because this is, this is like before the green card, I think. Yeah. I think it was before the green card. Yeah, so you're not covered. Yeah, well, I if was. You're out of New Zealand. Yeah, basically. so I would always just get travel insurance, for, and um, for like six months of the year, which was like probably way cheaper than actual insurance in America. But, um, but yeah, they kicked me off, and I was like, didn't know what to do. I was like calling my mum up, being like, "What do I do? Like, I'm meant to be competing tomorrow. I'm already like half injured. Like, I shouldn't be competing at all. I haven't like haven't practiced." practiced at all like didn't want to practice because I was like I don't want to like risk falling and I think I ended up like figuring out travel insurance the like the night before I'm not sure if it even went into effect and for like three days later but yeah it was like that was the last competition I ever competed in and I got dead last and (laughs) (laughs) and yeah that was that's how I ended my competitive career Good way to go out. Yeah, good way to go that's, out. That's beautiful. Funny how insurance <laughs> has your back until you get hurt too much. Yeah. As long as you're paying and you're not getting hurt, it's everything's good. Get Those hurt, fuckers have so much money. Too. <laughs> yeah. You watch the Super Bowl, like the only companies that can afford insurance. to advertise. It's like all insurance companies. And yeah. Med- medication and insurance. So I was talking to Scott, and I was like, Steffi seems so chill. She's not She's not stressed out ever. Like, like Did she ever stress out? And he's like, no. I've never seen her stress out, <laughs> which I think from a significant, like, I don't know any other male that, I mean, I'm speaking from a small pool, but most people wouldn't say that about their significant no. other. That's very uncommon. And then second of all, uh, he, but he, he goes, wait, there was one time she stressed out <laughs> and it was when she fucked her shoulder up right after it. She had just been cleared to snowboard and she was refusing to accept that she was hurt. <laughs> and that was the only time I've ever seen her stressed in my entire life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't really get stressed to be honest. I don't, I like don't see the point. Like, um, I feel like like life complications are always like really minor most of the time. I mean, for what I've experienced anyway. So like, yeah, I haven't really. I I really like try like like take every little moment and like just enjoy it because 
um, yeah, there's no point in like stressing over like the small stuff. Like I'm very, very, very lucky in like my life as well and like what has been given to me and yeah, I'm just like, I'm thankful. So, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't stress. <laughs> I also run a lot, which is like a, definitely a de-stressor. <laughs> I'm taking notes here. These are, I, I need a page out of, <laughs> out of, her, book. Out of her book. I drink yeah. this tea. It's called, it's called like stress free or something, and it doesn't work. Yeah, for me, go for a run. Honestly, <laughs> running is, is is great. But yeah, I feel like my my parents are also like very mellow people. Like they just like crew like cr- they cruise through life, and I think that's where I got a lot of my my mellow uh, outlook on life from. It makes sense. It makes sense. My dad is one of the most stressed out human beings on planet Earth. <laughs> so uh, now like, that makes it's all coming. It's full all falling into line. Um, I think it might be that time for uh, you know what, buds. Name that video part. <laughs> all right, Steffi, how are we feeling today about name that video part? Not feeling so good, you know. I might, I might be the, f- I might be the first person to um, not walk home with that chili bin, you know. Oh, the chili, chili bin! bin. <laughs> That's the cooler. Okay. Isn't that what you give out? Yeah, we give out a chili bin. We do yeah. give out a filled chili bin. Damn. Um. Okay. So, so level of confidence zero through ten, we'd like to do a zero, <laughs> straight up zero. Love that. Low expectations. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Here's the first one. Or this is your song. Here we go. Uh, the White Album, Sean White. That is correct. <laughs> wow. I love that soundtrack. <laughs> that Honestly, that soundtrack was so good in that movie, and that's that's probably the only reason I actually got that. I still listen to it. First of all, uh, here's your chili bin. Chili bin. Filled with bomb hole merch. Damn, thank you, guys. Um, it's a good-looking chili bin. Yeah, we got a bomb hole mug. I got some sweatpants in there. Nice. Figured you could use them. Maybe some workouts. I don't know. You know, They're um, very comfortable. We got uh, actually a Hannah Eddy shirt that sold out. I found an old one in there. That Damn. Was Hannah, Hannah Eddy did my, um, my logo for my oh, business, Oh, she did your too. logo? Let's yeah. give her uh, Actually, I'm not on the air horn soundboard. I would give her an air horn yeah. if I could right now. She's the best. So going back to the White Album, uh, that was I kind of got a little bit of cheater information because I was like, uh, talk to Scott. And he's like, she knows the White Album. <laughs> I haven't watched the White Album in like 10 plus years. And it is actually kind of fire. Sean but, White's video, by the way. Yeah, the White Album is I mean, it's got a really good soundtrack, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, he's he's been up there at Woodward. We should we should watch it. I haven't watched that in years either. He's doing he's at like Snow Park, New Zealand, doing like forty fifty foot gaps to boxes. It's like the most unorthodox yeah. uh, features ever. But uh, he's a crazy guy. Yeah, ripping, ripping. Okay, I actually uh, still have one last name that video part for the listeners. You guys know the drill. Here we go. And that concludes this week's Name That Video Part. Let's talk Icon Pass. Now on sale, claim the best deals of the season before promos go away and prices go up on May 5th. Own the season, own the stories, own the stoke. For winter 21-22, unlock access to more than 40 Icon Pass destinations 
where you can explore wide open spaces. I personally like to explore Brighton Resort. I like to check out Snowbird. With exclusive spring savings and purchase options, including special pricing for 2021 passholder renewals and a payment plan from $0 down and 0% APR, your season of Stoke is closer than ever. Explore pass options that take advantage of limited springtime offers before promos go away and prices go back up on May 5th. Let's talk about their options, buds. The Icon Pass for $999, unlocking the most days, the most mountains, and no blackout dates. The Icon Base Pass for $729 opens up a season of adventure with limited blackout dates. And the Icon Session Pass 4-Day for only $399 allows you to kickstart your ride. As with last year, Every Icon Pass comes with adventure assurance, including credits in the case of a COVID-19 closure and the option to defer the value of an unused past, no questions asked. Every moment spent in the mountains is a new opportunity for discovery and connection. Connection to the mountains and connection to each other. Own the Stoke today for the best prices of the season at IconPass.com. So, a great friend of yours named Possum. Uh, I was talking with her a little bit to get some intel about yourself and she just kind of cued me up with a key a key sentence and it was left at snapper rocks i don't know what that (laughs) means can you explain to us that don't know what that means um yeah i put my wetsuit on backwards once and went left at snapper snapper's a right point break (laughs) and um (laughs) and you don't want to go left there, that's for sure. It's like it's like a pretty like well known break, you know. It's like pretty local. We I feel like, um, but we went out with uh, our friend um, Dingo. D- it would not Dingo like the Dingo, but there's uh, more Dingoes. There's more Ding. There's more oh. Australian Dingoes. He's actually Australian. His name's Dean Morrison, and he's like a he's like an old school like uh, professional surfer. He was like one of our really good friends. And he was like, oh, yeah, let's go out to Snapper. Like, and I was like, didn't know how to surf at all. Like, you have to, like, jump off the rocks to get out there. It was terrifying. And there was, like, all these jellyfish around. Like, I was having the worst time because like, I was like, I don't want to touch these jellyfish. And, um, yeah, and, and Dingo was like, oh, we'll, oh, like, we'll, we'll block, like, the waves for you guys and you can, you can go. And I was like, all right. And, like, they, like, block the other people yeah, so you can get a wave? Yeah, and they, like, blocked. And I was like... Left. <laughs> and you're supposed to go right. Yeah, it's like a right point break. You're like, idiot. It's hard reading the ocean at first. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm more into just going straight. Yeah, me too. <laughs> just go straight. Too. Yeah. I don't go left or right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. So, so you're out there. You got a backwards wetsuit, and you're going the wrong way on the point break. That's some kind of legendary shit. Yeah, yeah. I turned the wetsuit around the other way, but it was kind of a mission. I had to do it on the beach. I, like, put it on. I was like... This isn't right. <laughs> hey, I got a Patreon question for you since we're talking about New Zealand still. Yep. It's from uh, Andy Gold. Nice. And uh, he wants to know if you have any classic stories about Snow Park. Oh, Snow Park. I was actually thinking about Snow Park yesterday when we're all up at uh, Woodward. Um, Can you explain wo- for the listeners, too, what Snow Park is? Snow Park? Yeah, Snow Park was like a one lift with like, it was like an all park um, hill, basically. It wasn't a mountain at all. It was a hill, and it was um, it was kind of run by like super young people. There was not there was it was loose. There wasn't very many rules. Um, Sam Lee and his family owned it, who were like these really really awesome Kiwis. Um, 
and they just like had the best outlook on like snowboarding and everything and and everyone would go there every summer from from the states and it was yeah there was like a perfect half pipe like huge jump lines and then like all the rails you can imagine ever a perfect quarter pipe always at the bottom of the mountain and a um and a hip and yeah it was just like it was just like this place that was like really 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 awesome and Woodward actually reminds me a lot about Snowpark. It had, like, the fast chair lap and, and just, like, all features everywhere and, like, people were, like, linking up with one another and just, like, you know, like, no matter what, you're going to, like, have a crew even if you go up by yourself. And, uh, yeah, Snowpark was, was – like, as soon as Snowpark was done, um, I kind of – it, like, stopped – I stopped, like, wanting to go back to New Zealand for winters because – it was just such a good time there. They had like crazy parties always and um, night riding and uh, like good food and coffee and it was fun. I remember the road to Snow Park. Is that the one that's crazy? It's like windy yeah. and sketchy. Yeah. The the roads to all the mountains in New Zealand are sketchy and windy. And But yeah, Snow Park Road was like well known for like um, like car driving, like dirt car, like drifting and stuff and there was actually like a really, really bad incident where this guy, uh, Possum Bourne, his, I think his name was, and he had a statue up there. He like flew off the road and like ended up like passing a right way. Like it was like really, really sketchy road to like be drifting on. But we used to be so loose with driving up there when we were kids. <laughs> I we would like drift every corner. <laughs> just because you saw people were drifting. Yeah, I mean, it was just like it was like dirt roads and like perfect turns. Yeah. You could like drift no matter what. <laughs> I remember the photos coming out of Snow Park. There's always that classic shadow on the half pipe or whatever. It's still ingrained in my mind from photo in yeah. back in the day. Yeah, Snow Park was such a, a cool place for people. I remember like being up there and like um I rem- I remember it was like one of my first years snowboarding was like Ken Block was like hitting the jump in his car and I was like I was like, What is going on? I remember like Travis Rice filming up there and like helicopters were like were up there like filming him in the park like these helicopters that were so close to the to to the resort and that was like before drones and whatnot but yeah it was it was cool another thing people don't think about too is when you go to new zealand or australia it's their it's their winter but it's our summer so i remember when we would go there i would be like hammering beers all summer and then you're like okay i'm going on a snowboard trip and it was like it always felt like a party when, yeah when you go there yeah and especially because the drinking age is 18 i mm-hmm. feel like you like you know if you go like when you're pretty young you like let loose a little bit but yeah it's like definitely like more like vacation than snowboarding i feel like for most of the the americans that would go over there you're always <laughs> received so well too everyone's so happy to see you yeah and it, I, I love it because, like, you're down in the town and you, like, travel to the mountain. So, like, you get, you get like, good weather down in town and you can, like, skate in the afternoon and, like, even in the middle of winter, you know. So so it's pretty cool. It's, like, it's it's nice. You can skate, surf, and snowboard all in a day, huh? Yep. You that's, sure can. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> so I think this might be a perfect time for our guest question. Guest question is presented by Solomon. Now, um... Lately, I've been riding the Solomon Taka split. That thing kicks ass. I know, Buds, you've been out on a Solomon split. Dude, loving it. Which one you were rocking? I am rocking the six-stick split. And, uh, dude, for me, with all the equipment I have to bring up, it's life-changing. 
how much faster you can get up the mountain compared compared to hiking, you know. You don't have your board on your back. It's yeah, a good deal. it's just so well. It's just faster. Yeah, you just, and you, you got don't poles as much. You, you can got, point at shit. Yeah, you can point at stuff and uh, just get around better generally. So uh, our guest question is from Katie and Jill Perkins. Oh, and uh, it's a good one. Here we go. Okay. Hey, Steffi. Hey, Steffi. Jill and Katie here. Uh, you know, we were just chatting, and, and we came up with a question for you. We always only see you with a couple bags whenever you travel. You pack pretty lightly, but you always seem super prepared. What are the top things that you never leave the house without? You know, Katie and I might be able to help you out with this answer, Steffi. Uh, we do always see you with an orange Yeti sippy cup, and uh, we, <laughs> that must be top on your list. But if you could just fill us in on a couple other things that you you definitely don't leave without the uh, leave the house without, that would be phenomenal. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you for your time. So good. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I heard them like Joe's away right now. I'm actually staying in her room. Thank you, Joe. Um. But like giggling, I heard Katie giggling like down in the room last night with Jill and I'm, I'm guessing it was because of this question. Um, traveling. Yeah, I, I, I don't like having like too much stuff when I'm traveling. Like I feel like I feel like I have like the minimum, um, but I always travel with my water bottle. I always travel with running shoes. Like I feel like I feel so lost without running shoes. Like I'm a huge runner. And even if I'm like, I like took them to Baker and it was like pouring rain, but I like, it just made me feel more comfortable. Um, I always travel with um, ankle weights, a band and a jump rope because I like to work out and on the road, that's all you really need. You know, like these just like really small things that are easy to travel with. Um, and what else? I don't know. That's headphones. I always have headphones, but yeah, I like to pack light. I feel like Scott actually taught me that one. Like he has, he has like crazy anxiety about, um, like packing too much stuff and having too much stuff. And like, we spend a lot of time in the back of his truck and like now in the van and like having, having too much stuff is, is so unnecessary. You don't actually need it. So just always just bring what you need and, you know, you can always figure out the rest on the road. I feel like it's the number one packing mistake is to overpack. Yeah. And I always do it first trip of the year. Yeah. You bring everything and then you're like, what is going on? I got too much stuff. And then you learn and then you just have a pair of jeans. I feel like it could be a great time for some hot takes. Hot takes. Let's do it. Uh, first question for hot takes. Worst trend in snowboarding? Um, I would say... Those sideways jumps that slope style put in in the middle of winter, like I feel like those would make sense in spring, but not in winter. We like I don't know. I feel like half the people are like slipping off those things without their edges. I feel like if they're gonna put those in, like maybe make it in April. <laughs> yeah, because you got to hit rails and then you got to hit a. But that that also separates the the people that can ride transition from the. That's true. The jumpers. True, so. but I feel like in a sense, but like. No matter what, like, you can slip out on those even if you can ride transition, you know. That's a good point. <laughs> um, next one, Michael Jordan of snowboarding. Who you got? Palmer. John Palmer? <laughs> Great answer. Uh, yeah. And um, now for the for the second part of that, I was trying to figure out the the female equivalent of Michael Jordan. I don't know, Lisa yeah. Leslie, maybe one of the I'm not WNBA up on the female. But anyway, who would you say NBA the Lisa players. Leslie of um, snowboarding of is? 
I feel like Jamie, honestly. But like, if you want to go with like the Sean Palmer, um, like at, like road, I'd feel like Jenna Mayan <laughs> is pretty up there. Great answers. She's pretty I feel punk like Palmer's kind of the uh, Rodman almost. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> he is the Rodman for sure. Well, then who's the who's the people's champ? We had a we had a uh, Instagram message saying we should ask who the people's champ is. This snowboarding, the people's champ. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I don't know enough people to to <laughs> answer that. My answer would be Lucas McGinn. Lucas McGinn. Yeah, that's true. Yep, Lucas is for sure the people's champ, no matter what. Okay, what do you think about the edge drag in the parking lot when you're walking in the resort and you're dragging your board on the pavement? Oh, I used to do that when I was way younger, thinking I was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nah. Not backing it? <laughs> Not backing it. Just pick up your board. Okay, what's your biggest fear? Oh, spiders. Hot take just turned it. <laughs> made a quick left right there. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Just, we're throwing, <laughs> I like it, though. We're throwing curveballs like in hot takes. I like it. <laughs> spiders? I hate spiders. Spiders are scary. Um, yeah, and, like, anyone that, like, is pretty close with me knows that I, we live in like a little cabin and like around a bunch of trees and, and stuff. And we have a lot of spiders in our house and I hate spiders. I like look under my sheets at night before I go to bed. Like, <laughs> Isn't there some statistic where we swallow like a handful of spiders a year or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I heard maybe that's not true. Oh, really? Let's uh, go with that fact, being fact true. check. Yeah, someone that. did a fact check. How do you get, how do you get that statistic? By the way, how are they yeah, getting how, that data? That's the thing. How are they yeah. getting that statistic? And and it would depend. I mean, where you live out in a cabin, who knows? It's yeah, probably I'm going like down. way higher up. Probably, I probably eat like at least two spiders a week. <laughs> <laughs> Utah's got tons of spiders. I too. hate spiders. Poisonous ones. I'm getting like a little bit better with them, but. What do you like? Freak out when you see them? Like I like can't. I can, I just like can't even touch them. I get like. Scott to kill them usually or put them outside <laughs> usually kill them because I'm like these spiders need to learn a lesson that to not come in the house right now <laughs> you know it's strange that there's pet guys there's like there's like you got snake guys and then you got like s- spider guys mm-hmm. like Levi our buddy is a skateboarder he's just, he's got a pet uh, tarantula Levi does actually I've seen photos oh, I just it's I, I don't know I can't really wrap my head around being yeah. a, a spider guy you, you can't know? like cuddle yeah. up and watch TV with your spider. Like, and if it gets like out, what happens if it gets out? It's just out of there. Who knows? You know, like he, he, apparently he's got a special bond with this, this spider. Really? Right here. Like it won't run away? He thinks, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to. That's what he thinks. I don't mean to, I don't know. It seems like, it, yeah, like it's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, it does, like they know what's up. I've only met one person in my life that's a, that's been more scared of spiders than me, and that's Pierre Whitberg. Really? <laughs> yeah. Fun fact right there. Fun fact right there. He is even more scared than I am, but he's, like, scared of, like, sorry, Pierre, I'm putting you on the bus right now, but, uh, but like, bugs and everything. I remember being in Japan with him, and, like, there was, like, the stink bugs everywhere where mm. we were staying, and, like, we were in, like, Naseko or something, and they were all over our house and, like, in everything and those things that those things don't really scare me but i remember pierre being like pretty freaked out of those things <laughs> uh so you don't think you would do well in joe rogan's fear factor if there was a spider challenge no nah, but honestly i feel like i should do it just to get over my fear yeah well, you gotta put your arm in like a tank with yeah 30 spiders or you, like you lay in a coffin and they dump 200 tarantulas on you yeah i need you would do it i need to do that to get over this we should set that up (laughs) we'll insert the video if we end up finding 200 tarantulas in a coffin and we do this i mean i think in la you can just pay somebody like 50 bucks they show up with 200 that's how they do it out there for shows like that. i would that's where i'd get stressed out 
For sure. Yeah, that's Maybe what we'll I get, get stressed out. We'll get fine. you and Pierre. <laughs> see who can win the challenge. Yeah, there you go. Okay, we, we got one last curveball hot take. hot take. If you had $100 million in your bank account right now, what would be the first thing you'd buy? A uh, flight back to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could pay, I can't get back home right now because of COVID. So, yeah, I want to go back there really badly. What, um, they're crazy with COVID. They got shit figured out over there, right? Yeah, they got shit figured out, but they've also got those borders pretty pretty much locked up, so I can't go back home to visit my I bet my if fam. you contracted a PJ, you could get over there. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I would do, you know, like a little bit of money here and there, you know, pay the right people. I'm sure I could get in way easier than... Dude, can we talk about how they handled the COVID situation? Because it seems like life is just normal. Life is 100% normal for New Zealanders. Like, they're having, like, summer concerts, like, get-togethers, people. Like, no matter what, there's no such, such thing as masks. Well, actually, I think you have to wear a mask on, like, the airplane, but whatever. Um, yeah, Jacinda Ardern, who's, like, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, definitely is, like, a leader to follow. She is – she's doing some awesome stuff, and the – uh, like New Zealand, like society actually like follows the rules to where they can get rid of COVID and like the only COVID, like the only cases that come in are through the border from people working at the border. And as soon as they they come in and like somewhat someone's exposed to it, they like shut down the whole city. Everyone goes in lockdown, and it's like they, that's how they take care of it. Is just like these lockdowns, and people actually adhere to 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 the rules and stuff. And yeah, they don't have. COVID, yeah. so, so you mentioned earlier your uh, your parents live in the Wop Wops, which is slang for middle of nowhere. Yes. Uh, so there's probably absolutely no like even threat of absolutely. Anything there. It's 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 actually pretty cool, like knowing that my parents have like zero percent. Yeah, zero percent, and even somewhat catching it. They live like the top of the South Island, like in like the Wairau Valley. Is it's like wine country basically, and like there's not even a supermarket where they live there's like a, a supermarket li- or a dairy a, there's not even a dairy actually not <laughs> like, even a dairy <laughs> there's not even a dairy the closest but the closest city's like 30 minutes away so it's not too far but but yeah they live in the country and and no such thing there they, they probably it probably doesn't even cross their mind day to day to be honest they don't have to remember to put a mask in their pocket when they go out to to the dairy i saw a special on that where the prime minister just moved so fast yeah. Took, took all the precautions needed, like, without even hesitating. Yeah. And uh, just did the, all the right moves. And, yeah. And it worked. And Yeah, she she's... And everyone listened to her was the, was yeah. the big part. You and don't I have feel, your anti-maskers. And yeah, exactly. I feel like New Zealand is such such a smaller... I mean, it's just a tiny population, so, like, it's a kind of a little bit easier to follow the rules and, like, I don't know, yeah, just smaller population, so easier to get rid of covid and she didn't hesitate though i think that was the biggest move yeah that she did properly. she didn't hesitate and she still doesn't hesitate to this day like as soon as something comes in it's like shut down immediately and and get rid of it before anyone can be exposed smart yeah and it worked yep especially in like auckland is where it's the only city it really comes into and and like yeah you don't want those the older generation like getting it there you know like it, it could it could spread so fast on a small island like that so yeah it's pretty cool to see how 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 she's dealing so with if it. they had zero deaths then no they i mean they had they had it like in the midst of it but they, so they had some deaths but it was like it was small it was small it was like i feel like it was like under 200 wow people or something 
but yeah, I don't know. I need to look that one a up. Fact checked on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Wild Mike's Ultimate Pizza. If you're a boarder and you don't have much money in your bank account, pick yourself up a Wild Mike's Pizza. Me and Buds hammer these things usually before every episode. Today we're recording at 8.30 in the morning, so we didn't have one, but I still think it would be delicious. Uh, check them out on Instagram, at Wild Mike's Pizza. They're always doing cool giveaways. Once again, all their products are 100% all natural, no artificial anything. Now let's get back to the show. So uh, whenever I've been out shooting with you, Desiree, last time we were hanging out, I think I had just gotten food poisoning or something. And Desiree was like, Steffi's never been sick. You need to eat more like her. And uh, so are you like super healthy? Or I I care a lot about my health, I guess. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like super healthy. I like... I like don't have like a strict diet or anything. I like, I, but I like, I'm a true believer of like listening to my body with like nutrition and like, and like going with the seasons and eating with seasons and um, yeah, like health, health and like fitness stuff has been like a huge part of my life for forever. I've always been really into it. So it's been cool to like, to like start up a business. Actually, I'm, I've got like an online personal training, um, business where I like, have online clients and I train them via the world wide web and yeah it's really cool to like be helping people from afar and you know keeping people's motivation up and yeah it's really fun I love it and that's that's the whole other side of my life that is actually a huge portion of it what's your business um it's called it's Steffi but Steffi Fitness is what it's called um and yeah it's like I do I do like classes in mammoth in the summer but because i travel so much it's not like super consistent but um yeah it's it's online personal training um platform where i like work pretty closely with like individuals and like like i'll be like texting them the morning of the workout and like it's a it's i I update workouts three times a week it's like three times a week worth of workouts where i'll be working closely with you and each workout is different like i change the workout up each each time so it's not super repetitive like a lot of the exercises are the same but like the actual workout's different um and like gradually building as people get stronger and stronger and it's been like a really cool um thing to figure out I have no idea what I'm doing with with business stuff I don't have a business plan or anything but I'm just kind of like taking it day by day and going from going from there and you do do you help them with their diet and everything too um I don't actually do too much about diet because I don't have like a crazy education on that Mm -hmm. um and I feel like diet and like nutrition and stuff is such an individual thing to work out as well like um yeah I I I like eat by listening to my body and like I I don't really like like eating out I like cook pretty much most of my meals um I would eat out like on occasion but but really not that much at all and um but yeah, I don't I don't do too much with like nutri like if people ask me questions, like my clients ask me questions, I will one hundred percent respond with my opinion. But yeah, I I don't I don't do too much work with You them. more so just eat what feels good. Yeah. Dairy exactly. makes you sick, you're not eating any yeah, dairy and, and I like, you like to know what's in your food, it sounds yeah, like and like I don't really eat meat in America because I don't one hundred percent trust it, <laughs> to be honest. But um like say if I'm in New Zealand and like my parents bought like a cow from the neighbor that they slaughtered. Like I'll eat that because I know it's like raised on grass and 
And, no uh, antibiotic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A so, lot of people don't realize how when you if you've never traveled from America, when you go to these different countries, like the eggs are a different color, the yeah. meats are a different color. Yeah. And it's not because their stuff's weird. It's because our stuff's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like coming to America, it was, it was like pretty culture shock with like the food side of things, just, just with everything. And like, and I do notice like ad- my body adjusting, like going back to New Zealand and eating like, um, like, like more clean, like less, like antibiotics and all that and and like sprays and pesticides and all that kind of stuff that are on the vegetables like which like yeah you don't notice it so much in in the day-to-day life but like moving back like going back to New Zealand you notice like your body adjusting to like to it again you're having more energy and stuff like that yeah like more energy and like um, and then, like, if you've been eating, like, really clean in New Zealand and coming back to America, like, you can be, like, so... Weighs you down or something. Yeah, yeah, like, so tired and, like, sore stomachs and whatnot. But Go- going back to Steffi Fitness, I think it's really cool to... Uh, I can only speak for personal experience, but, you know, when you have somebody like yourself, if you're writing personalized workouts and you're kind of have you have people that you're working with. It's you need somebody to hold you accountable. I feel like, and I, I shouldn't say you, I should say I need somebody to hold me accountable. And if I'm like, people are like, Oh, I'll do it on my own. I'll do it on my own. It's like, it's okay. Invest in your body. You know, it's like funny how people be like, well, I'm not going to pay 20 bucks to go to a fitness class. Like, but they have no problem spending 80 bucks at the bar. Yeah. Why, why do, why do our minds work like that? You know, it's an interesting deal. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do with my, my side of things is like being able to work closely with people and like keep their motivation because it's so hard, like fitness and like, and like being motivated. It's so hard to like stay motivated, especially with like our lifestyles of snowboarding and stuff. And, um, and yeah, I just like instead of just having like some app or something, I want to I want to like have like myself there working with the person, like keeping them motivated, and which is like is like how I'm doing it differently to say like Peloton app or like any of these apps. You know, it might not be like as high a quality, but it's like you've got like the personal interaction. Is it live when you do it? No, or do you pre-record? No, no, no. It's like how I do it is like it's like a sheet basically, and I update the sheet every like one like. I update it Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night, and um, and then I like will like text or email someone in the morning, like reminding them that they have the workout, and then I always get them to. I've got like eight clients right now, and so I always get um, them to like message me when they they get it done, and like, yeah. and if they don't message me, I'm like, did you get your workout done today? The accountability, like Chris is talking. Yeah, about. exactly, and like I also like understand that people's lives are like crazy so if they can't get the workout done that day like I'm like no worries I'll keep it up for like Friday and you can get your next one done on Sunday you can take a day off this week you know if they so. ghost you you know they didn't do it yeah <laughs> and then you keep on them and then they yeah. do it and they thank you yeah <laughs> that's yeah. cool yeah the fitness stuff is crazy like there's like there's like four stages of fitness and it's like pre-contemplation contemplation um action and maintenance I think and like I see so much in my fitness like business as like people get to like month three and then like then like like they kind of get off track and it's like all you really need is like three more months to like somewhat make it a routine and make it like almost addictive like because once you get to the six month mark is like it like becomes like a, a like a habit basically and like and yeah, it's like I've noticed a lot of people like 
kind of like going like like really really motivated and then month three and then like kind of losing motivation again and and yeah I'm just I'm just like really going to work hard on like keeping people it keeping it a habit for people to keep working out and like especially like snowboarders in the winter because um I feel like I feel like a big chunk of snowboarders are good at like um at like fitness and working out and stuff pre-season but like come come winter it's like snowboarding's their fitness but I also think it's so important to like maintain that fitness throughout the winter and and yeah so I I I constantly work out through the winter no matter what I don't switch it up at all I keep it the same I might I may make the I make the um, workouts like higher intensity in the summer but but yeah I work out three times a week um and like I run like I try run like 20 miles a week, a week along with snowboarding as well just to like it's not necessarily for my snowboarding but it is it's more for my brain than anything but but yeah it's like important to keep keep on track no matter what the season is so how do you break down your mileage for for running usually um so I I usually have I mean it, it, I go I go by feel like if I'm like running I'm super not into it I just go home because I don't see the point in running but um yeah, I, I like to like have like a twenty mile base and then like go run, like chip away at that throughout the week, and so like so say on Monday I'll run five miles and then like you know Tuesday I'll run three miles and and then I I, I mean I don't always get to twenty miles. It's mm-hmm. more so in the summer, but like yeah, I like to just have that in the back of my mind and like it's like it's kind of a nice like motivating goal to have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, running, running's like my meditation. Like I love running so much and I've, I've been addicted to it forever. And like, it's like how I like decompress and like think and have like a clear mind if I'm like studying and, and whatnot. Now, Keeps you zen, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For people that I don't know how to meditate, but yeah, neither yeah, do I. It's kind of so, like so a I just form. run. <laughs> yeah. So going, going back to that, uh, if you're a lot of our audience is borders, you know, yep. what, what would you say that the you know, if you're going to give three pieces of advice to like, you know, maybe workouts that borders could do, uh, do you, do you have any Um, workout type stuff you recommend? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, um, like during the winter core strength is super important. Um, core, like your core strength will keep like your body balanced basically. So like injury prevention, it's like, it's like a lot of, a lot of like fitness stuff comes from the core and like no matter like even if you're doing squats you know you're, you're going to be engaging your core and like so keeping that strong because you're do- you don't necessarily want to be doing like leg workouts if you're snow like you're gonna have like a big day snowboarding the next day and whatnot so yeah I think core strength is really important um what else um like band work like I always travel with bands and there's like it's like small exercises that can be like you can be doing in front of the TV or whatever, and I think that they're really, really good ways of like keeping injury prevention down. Like it's mm-hmm. a good injury prevention like mm-hmm. activity <laughs> um, skill or whatever. Um, and then the third one is like I I like I think ca- like having a solid cardio like base as well is really good. Like you don't necessarily have to go for a run, but like a thirty minute walk or like a few t- times a week it's like it's important to keep up the the cardio for snowboarding too yeah going back to uh this type of stuff it's funny for a lot of people you know myself i like bro workouts yeah like, i like but ultimately you know you listen to tom brady his whole shit is pliability 
Because why? Why do you need pliability? So I'm getting, I'm a quarterback. I'm getting destroyed. Yeah. By, and what are snowboarders like? I, I think of like, the, like I lift weights, but really I probably should be doing band work because really you need to be able to take a slam and like being able to squat something isn't going to maybe help me take a slam. Like if you're working with bands and flexibility, your your body is more absorbing impact. Do you, yeah. What do you think about that stuff? Yeah, I I I agree, but like like I said, like. All the workout stuff that I do, I, like, do not relate to snowboarding at all, mm-hmm. which is, like, kind of crazy. I, yeah, but um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like also, like, if you find something and you enjoy it, like, do it. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, like, this exercise, exercising is so good for you. It's, like, it's so good for, like, obviously, you obviously, like, uh, physically, but, like, mentally as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think... Like, if you're into the bro workouts, then, like, just keep going at them because no matter what, you're, like, bettering yourself. Since you know a lot about this stuff, um, do you prescribe your uh, clients roids by chance? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no matter what, everyone's on the roids. (laughs) You get them all on the roids. Mandatory roids. Yeah, mandatory roids. Steffi Fitness. What do you think about, like, I'm just asking for a friend because I definitely, like, but just, like. Not himself. What do you think about just, like, chugging creatine on a regular basis? (laughs) I mean, uh, go for it. Like, if, do Are what you want. Are people still doing creatine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's just fun to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, whatever you're into, I guess. <laughs> it makes weightlifters bigger, right? I I'm, I don't actually know a lot about it, to be honest, but it just seems like the most bro thing below steroids you can do. Yeah, like creatine, do you bro. think? Do you think that would even help you snowboarding? Though I feel like your muscles would like get in the yeah, way. Yeah, I think it more big <laughs> builds those big. Weird muscles yeah. that are actually you'd like that not beneficial. Be, you'd like not be able to grab or something. I like that. <laughs> I, I always, we talk about it on here a lot, but I would love to see mandatory steroids and competitive snowboarding and every rider kind of like just looks kind of like Schwarzenegger Jack. in his prime and they are just like walking around and <laughs> Gold's Gym style, you know, tank tops. Yeah, who would pull <laughs> that off the bench? An outerwear tank top. If I had, to, who would, I feel like uh, Chris Corning probably could pull that one off pretty good. Yeah. I don't know him well, but yeah, I don't, it seems I like. I don't really know that guy, but if I'm go gonna Chris. Be, if I'm going to be a judgmental <laughs> person of judging somebody I don't know, I'd say he could maybe fit that one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, you, so just to be clear, you do prescribe roids to your. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yep, straight up. So, if you guys are looking for a uh, personal fitness, uh, at Steffi Fitness on Instagram, correct? Yep. Yeah. Or you can email me. Steffi Luxton Fitness at gmail.com. Boom. <laughs> Plug. We got and then we got some new uh we got a new sponsor, board sponsor going on, correct? Yeah. I just um just jumped on the Arbor boards this year. Arbor. I don't know how Arbor. to say, I don't know how to say that and it's you I gotta put my American the Kiwis accent. dropped the R. Arbor. Arbor. <laughs> gotta, I'm riding my Arbor snowboards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what are you rocking here? Um, this is uh, the swoon. This is the swoon. This is my um, power board. It's a one fifty one, which is actually a little bit small, but it doesn't not. It feels like it rides a little bigger than a one fifty one, to be honest. But I've been really liking this board this year. It's it's really fun for like jumping in the backcountry. I've been I've been trying to like hit more jumps in the backcountry this year, and like it's a little stiffer, so you can land like a little bit better and. Yeah. Regular camber? It's regular camber, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Scott said that you did an incredible back seven on that thing recently, and he had to watch the clip like 15 times. 
Apparently the the swoon is is working. <laughs> the swoon's good at jumps. I'll give you that. <laughs> what do you do to your board? Anything particular edgewise? Nothing. Take it out of the plastic, slap it on the yeah, snow. Yeah, I actually don't think I've ever even waxed this thing this year. Yeah, there's no there's no wax on it. I don't wax my board. That's what I do. <laughs> that do you recommend that technique or? Um, I feel like I feel like you can do the non-wax thing for like to a certain point, and then like past that point, maybe you need wax. But it depends on a brand's factory wax program yeah. too. Huh? Yeah. The, uh, the Ar- Arbor is pretty good. Huh? Yeah, their factory wax is so fast. I remember, I like earlier on in the season, I got onto um, Marie's board, and I was like, "This is the fastest board I've ever ridden in my life." Probably haven't waxed that one ever either. Keep it that way. I don't know. I don't do much to my boards. I don't like to think about it too much. She keeps it simple. Keep I it used simple. to. Don't, I used to be. It. I used to be crazy. A crazy head case when it came to snowboarding, though. I remember I like. I would hate new things. And, like, I would ride a board until it was, like, donezo. Like, I hated new boards. And I remember right the morning of the Olympics or the night the night before the Olympics, one of the coaches at the Olympics was, like, your board's broken. Like, you can't ride this thing. And the jumps were pretty big. And so you needed, like, a bit of speed to, like, get over them. And I remember them, like, testing snow on, like, my broken board versus, like, I had a new, a new board as well. And, uh... And, like, the snow, like, moved so fast on the new one, and it was just, like, putting down on the, <laughs> on the broken Almost one. Almost not moving. And they're like, you need to change it tonight. Like, and I was like, damn it, I really don't want to. Like, I really didn't want to ride a new snowboard. So, But I ended up, like, changing it and, like, woke up early in the morning of the Olympics and, like, went to the top of the mountain, which was really cool, actually. Those mountains in Russia are beautiful. And, uh, like, trying to trying to get used to it and... It really didn't even matter. Like it was, it's all in your brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> a new board's tough. Though, yeah, right? I think I did actually hook my edge on one of the practice runs. And like, <laughs> sh- I ate shit before the comp, but sharp, fresh edges. Yeah. Now this swoon, it looks like it has like a spoon shape, maybe. Yeah. Is that just the lighting the edges? No, right on the the contact points yeah. look like they ramp up. That yeah. looks pretty cool. They call these. Uh, gr- this is grip tech. Um, don't know. That's a good plug. She knows her <laughs> It says it right here on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> she just saw it. <laughs> Grip tech works great. Grip yeah. tech is working. Yeah. No, it looks pretty cool the way I imagine that's ripping in the powder. Yeah. Because your r- contact points look like they spoon out a little bit. Yeah. I I really like it. and I've been loving this board, honestly. It's really fun. Very thankful for, for Arbor and them supporting me. Dope. Well, uh, I got one last guest question here. And this is from Melissa Rotano. Here we go. Hey guys, Melissa here. Uh, I'm really excited that you have Steffi in the booth today. I'm excited to hear this story that we've been talking about for the past couple of days now and for you to share with everybody of how you were arrested. <laughs> it's pretty funny thinking of this sweet angel just being arrested. So I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> what kind of cop? Would arrest you. Well, I was 15 when I got arrested. And I, do you remember who, um, do you remember Ellery Hollingsworth? Yes. I do, yeah. She was like a, um, she was like a burden rider, super young burden rider, and then like moved to Nike. And she was like one of the first people I met, like one of the first American people I met. I met her when I was 14. And because I was skating at the skate park at the time. 
and she and there was like no no females that were skating and I remember like her coming and like ripping at, at like skating and I was like I want to be this girl's friend and like became friends with her instantly and um we like had a good time and there was like the burden New Zealand Open was on and she was competing in it and like had had like keep competing all week the week she was there like I'd known her for like a year at this point and uh and there was like an after party that night at the bars in New Zealand and she was like I have this fake ID um you can use it I'll use it first then I'll pass it to you and I was like in the back of the line and I was like perfect like that's gonna work out awesome and I grew up in Wanaka and so like this is a tiny town like it's not big at all like it's way bigger these days than what it was back then and um and so she passed me the the fake ID and like she got in fine, passed it to me and I and then I got in fine and we were like hanging out at the bar and like you know, everyone that was like competing that week was there. And I remember all of a sudden I like get this like tap on my shoulder and I was like, Oh shit and like turn around and it was this um this lady whose daughter I like her daughter was in my class in high school and this lady for some reason like hated me my whole entire life. She like, <laughs> she just hate, like, I don't even know what I did or maybe I didn't, I didn't do anything. I don't know. She just like had this freaking sour taste about me or whatever. And she was like, she like wrenched my shoulder and was like, what are you doing in the bar? How did you get in here? And I was like 15 and I was like, I, ha- I wasn't, I hadn't even really been drinking and maybe had like one drink or something. And, uh. And I like freak out and I like, I don't know what to do. And she was like, show me who, how you got in here. And like, I like automatically like went to Allery because that's how I got in, which I shouldn't have done. It was so dumb of me. And I was like, Allery, we got to go. Like I'm in trouble right now. And she, um, and Allery, and we're like walking out, like the bouncers like are taking us out of this bar and, and Allery like refuses to to admit that she knows me because she didn't want to leave and she's like who is this girl like <laughs> she's like I don't know who this is like yada yada and I was like Ellery just say just let's just go like they're like if she, if you keep arguing they're gonna call the cops and she like kept she like refused to she admit. went back down she, yeah she wouldn't back down she wanted to she wanted to keep partying like fair enough um and so they ended up calling the cops and me and Ellery got uh, arrested, taken to the cop station and like got fined. And I remember like, I was like, my snowboard career is over before it's even started. Cause she was like staying with like the, bur- the burden team. And I was like, the burden team's going to hate me. <laughs> and, uh, she was so pissed off at me for years and years like you, you kind of narked. I, I straight up narked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's kind of a bad look out there in the streets. So I I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to go ahead and, and say like, that. And like, I remember like talking to Spencer, uh, Spencer O'Brien about it. And she's like, it makes so much sense that you, it was you that got Ellery arrested because like you tell the truth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess I didn't know what to do at the time. And I was so distraught the next day. I remember I like didn't know what to do. Ellery wasn't like, I was like trying to apologize to Ellery that she, she wasn't, wasn't getting it. back to me. And so they were staying like at these apartments across the lake and they were like little like town home apartments, not like a hotel, but kind of. And I went and knocked on every single one of those apartment doors to like go and apologize to Ellery because I was like, I need, like, I had to say sorry. Like, I felt so bad. And I like went and got 
money out of my bank to like pay her fine. It was like $300 and I like was working at like friggin' the deli at the supermarket or something at the time. And so I like got all my money out of my bank and like put it in my pocket and like knocked on all these apartment doors just to go apologize to her and like offer her this money and like eventually found her and she like somewhat accepted the apology where it was pretty pretty she took the money she, she didn't even take the money <laughs> oh, she actually didn't. no she she didn't accept the money but she was pretty pissed at me for the next few years and i still feel bad to this day for knocking on her she, i'm very sorry held, ellery she held the grudge <laughs> yeah. like you'd see her later a year later and yeah and she was like she was like yeah fuck she'd you. be like that chick's a narc man. yeah <laughs> but yeah that was pretty funny Whew. yeah Arrested at 15, and it was, it was the cops called my parents. I was like living at my parents' house, obviously, I was 15. And uh, they were like, they were like, we can't come pick you up. We've had a couple of drinks. Like, we can't even like come get your you parents. From- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, sorry. They're out in the countryside. <laughs> yeah. And so the cops had to drive me home. It was, it was. What's a nice place? Because in the States, they would have just locked you up yeah. overnight. Yeah. It's nice. They would drive you out to yeah. the. I mean, to the wop, what's it called? The wop, the wop wops. The wop, wop wops. They yep. bring you out to the wop wops, drop you off. Yeah. But in the states, you'd be sleeping in the clink. Yeah. I think it could be time for a little uh, pub beer action. All right, let's uh, let's get into our breakout moment presented by our friends over at Ten Barrel and Pub Beer. Pub Beer supports us. You should support them. Their tagline is "Cheap Fun Beer." Now, Steffi. Before snowboarding became a serious career, back when it was cheap and fun, do you have a memorable breakout moment? First of all, I don't think snowboarding's a serious career. (laughs) 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 I feel like it's more of like, I don't know, whatever, a lifestyle. Um, But honestly, breakout moment, I feel like I haven't had one yet. Still waiting. I'm still waiting for it. Still waiting for it. We're in the middle of it. It's happening right now. It's happening. Yeah, I'm about to turn 30 maybe. I'm about to peak, you know. Women peak in their 30s apparently. That's great. (laughs) That's a great answer. And I think you're right. It is more of a lifestyle. Yeah. Not so serious. And Steffi Fitness is about to be booming. Booming. I might have to hire someone. (laughs) Um, And before, I think we kind of have been doing it. And uh, do you have any thank yous you want to throw out there? Um, thank you to my family. My family are like my biggest supporters ever. I, I, I feel like they don't really even understand what I'm doing still, but uh, they're always there supporting me and like my mom and my dad and my brothers and all my extended family are like the best people ever and I'm, I miss them so much. And yeah, I guess thank you to them and thank you to everyone and snowboarding and sponsors and whatnot but thank you you guys <laughs> yeah it's got to be tough being far away from them like that during these times yeah. where it's hard to travel yeah it's really tough but i mean eventually we'll get out of it and be able to like keep on keeping on so. yeah hopefully soon right yeah hopefully soon all right steffi well thank you so much for coming on the show uh we really appreciate having you it's been a pleasure chatting and all the new zealand slang especially mm-hmm it's been a good time learning that. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's been a it's been a fun one, sparking up some memories for sure. <laughs> well, beautiful. We want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in each week. We will see you again next Wednesday. Over and out from the bomb hole.